in the fifth chapter, we're going to be reading from the, from the fifth verse. And it says, you younger men, follow the leadership of those who are older. And all of you serve each other with humble spirit. For God gives special blessings to those who are humble. But he sets himself against those who are proud. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in good time, he will lift you up. And then verse 7 says, let him have. Now this is interesting. Let him have all your worries and cares. Isn't it interesting? I don't even want them. God says, let me have them. Let him have all your worries and cares. For he's always thinking about you and watching everything. There's some heavy language in this Bible. Everything that concerns you. Goes on and says, be careful. Watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. Trust the Lord. And remember that other Christians all around the world are going through sufferings, are going through these sufferings too. And after you've suffered a little while, our God who's full of kindness through Christ will give you eternal glory. He personally will come and pick you up, set you firmly in your place, and make you stronger than ever. To him be all power over all things forever and ever. Amen. Nancy, bless our soul. Daily, by people that live in fear, by people that live without hope, by people that have lost everything in life, and you say to yourself, if faith is so strong and if faith is so real, can it turn this around for them? And the answer I give you is yes. But you see, nothing can be turned around until you get to know that it can be turned around. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you've got to know it. You've got to understand that yes, it can happen. You've got to understand that, yes, there is a power greater than you that can operate in your life a miracle. I didn't say a magical act. I said a miracle, but a miracle that's produced by faith. And faith is just that simple trust, that childlike trust in a word that's written and given. Jesus spent so much time talking to the disciples about things that seem so childish. Like he told them something like this, I'll never leave you often. That, that, that's, that's such a kind of a baby expression, right? It's like something you want to tell an adolescent, a child. Something you want to tell a, a young person at a funeral. Uh, I'll never leave you often. And yet Jesus said it to grown men. Grown men, strong men, uh, very, very uh, what shall we say, in, in some circumstances, even very belligerent men. He told them, I'll never leave you often. There were so many moments of tenderness 
that they couldn't even appreciate it. Matter of fact, Peter was one that would shrug off the tenderness. He, he would push it aside as though to say, hey, I can take care of myself. Don't you worry about me. Yet Jesus kept telling them, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never. And I think that's what's so inspiring about picking up the universal epistle of Peter. And if anyone was arrogant in his day, if any of the apostles were, what shall we say, uh, forthright and, and opinionated, I think that's the word, it was Peter. So when you come into the universal epistle and you find uh, Peter saying things, now there, there's two things he establishes. One is, first of all, that he has seen his majesty. And I love that. In other words, what he, what he didn't know what to do with before, what he babbled at as a fool before, because that's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he, right, right away, he wanted to build three temples, three tabernacles, three tents, three anything to keep the, the majestic presence uh, of Moses and Elijah uh, with Jesus. And it was at that moment that he, and, and it was so beautiful because there, the whole, God came down in a beautiful cloud and covered up the whole place. And uh, Moses and Elijah were gone and there was only Jesus. And the voice from heaven says, listen, from now on you listen to him. He is the one you will talk to. In other words, he's the one you listen to. The others had their role. They had their time. They had their place in history. They fulfilled their mission. And most of their mission was to direct their arrow, put their faces as a flint toward Messiah. He is now Messiah. He has come. He's incarnate. He is present. And now Peter has to face up to this glorious reality that what he quivered with as he walked with the master and the little fights they had was so nonsensical because now as an older person, now as a man that has already walked with Jesus uh, over 35, 40 years, he's the one that says, listen, let me tell you something about my master. Let him have, let him have all your worries and cares. Let him have it. Don't be afraid to give him your worries. Don't be afraid to give him your cares. Let him have it. Why? Because he's always thinking about you. Where did he get that from? How did he so well understand that? Well, he walked with him and he talked with him for three years. Spoke with him after the resurrection. And he understood. And all of a sudden, everything that was spoken to him and everything that was told to him opened up like a tremendous fan. And the breeze of that fan upon his life was so glorious. And when he talks to the Christians, he says, listen, listen, life isn't easy. But because it's not easy, he has told us that he'll be with us. And then he says, be, he says let, let him have your worries and cares. What does that say about worries and cares? It simply says you've got to turn them over. Once again, we're back to the sticky point of human existence, the action and the delivery of your will. You see, folks, we want God to do a lot for us, but he won't do it lest you give him permission to do it. 
And then you say, but Sister Amy, he's God. We're not God. We're just humans. We're mortals. We fail. Uh, we don't know. That's right. And can you believe it? So failing mortal, insignificant humanity, he has such a tremendously high esteem. He respects your will. I, I, you see, I, one of the other things I can't understand about God, you know my list gets longer every day. I can't understand how he respects us. There are times I don't respect myself. Yet he respects me. He respects you. You see, these are the situations that we don't understand about God. Because let me tell you something. And this is ugly, but it, I'll tell it to you anyway. I've said a lot of ugly things. You will best judge people by the way you are. If you're a thief, everybody around you is stealing. You don't even know them, but they're stealing. If you're basic, wrongdoing is you're a liar. Can I tell you something? Everybody around you is a liar. And even when they're not lying, you think they're lying. Why? Because, hey, I'm a liar, so everybody's a liar. When somebody says you, they care about you, you say, I don't care about anybody. <laughs> he doesn't care about me either. You see, we judge people by the way we are. And that's where faith has got to take its place. Faith has got to move in on our life. Faith has got to be bigger than you and I. Faith has got to conquer our weaknesses. Faith has got to help us to see God not like we see ourselves, not like we feel ourselves, not like our, not like our, our, our own spirit moves us. We've got to see ourselves as he sees us. Did you know that you're the greatest treasure on the face of the earth? Did you know that the angels converse day and night about you? Did you know that all the activity of heaven is towards you? And this is, this is exactly what he says. He says, let him have all your worries and cares, for he's always thinking about you. Always thinking about you and watching. And watching everything that concerns you. You say, listen, Sister Amy, hold it a minute, hold it. No, no, I, I, I can't buy that. Because if, if I buy that, I have to tell you that there are times in my house that I cry over my condition. There are times in my house that I really want to change. There are times in my house when I think about the changes that, that I want to be operated in my life. And if he's always thinking about me, why doesn't it happen? Well, you see, when God thinks, he does something about it. When you and I think, we do nothing about it. Our thinking is mixed with our weakness. Our thinking is mixed with all our failures. Our thinking is mixed with all the times we couldn't make it. And so, it's to no avail. Well, then how do you get it? Well, the scripture says. The scripture says, let him have all your worries and cares. Says, I, I, I don't know how that operates. I don't know how it operates either. I'm just going to give you a little example. My son is on a cross-country trip. When he announced to me that his vacation was going to be in his wagon, his Volkswagen, crossing the country with a dog and a baby and his wife. I mean, at 62, that's crazy. Do you understand what I mean? American Airlines can do it in five hours. Okay? No, but Joe has got to have the thrill of it, all right? So I sit here, and I'm saying it in myself and in my heart, he's crazy. 
And then, then, I, then I start my plea, plea bargaining with the Lord. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Lord, you know, you could intervene. I mean, you could, you could, you could, you could. And, and as I get on my you coulds, I can almost hear the Holy Spirit saying, shut up. <laughs> Why? Why? Because you see, that's my worry. That's my care. And finally, one day, I got so nervous and so upset. We were just about ready to take off for VBS. I said, Lord, I don't want them to go. Now, what, what, what do I have to do with this? And the Lord said, give it to me. You know, it's so easy, but it's so hard. Give it to me. And I exercised turning it over. It's yours. And guess what? It was okay. The next day, he could have gone to China in the Volkswagen. I mean that. I mean that. And right now, they've had a few impasses, a little trouble, which is to be expected. I mean, in a long trip. And guess what? It bothers me. But do you think I'm worried? I don't lose sleep over it. I may lose a few thoughts over it. I may add a few extra prayers to the trip. I may ask God to bless in a very special way. But I turned it over. I turned it over. And you know what turning over means? And this is why we can't do it. It means letting go of the controls. We don't want to let go of the control. We want to be in control. We want to tell ourselves we are in control. Because when you say God's in control, it's kind of like putting a plane on automatic pilot. There it goes. I, I once took a trip. A gentleman uh, picked me up in, uh, in some place. Uh, I don't know, some place there in one of those states in the Midwest. And, uh, and uh, he, he was going to take me to a convention. And uh, he said, would you like to ride up front with me? I said, are you crazy? I mean, that's a question you ask Joe Cortese. I mean, he'll take the pilot seat and he doesn't know how to fly. I says, oh, no, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the back, wherever. And it was just two comfortable seats with straps. And when we're up there, all of a sudden I notice he's got a big newspaper and he's reading the newspaper. And I'm sitting back here. I'm, I'm too frightened to say, what are you doing? And, and then I thought to myself, he's probably reading a map. And then when I look, no. No, it wasn't a map. It was a newspaper. And I said, what's he doing all the way up here, reading a newspaper? I'm sitting back here. And I was just, uh, in one glance, he took his, and he saw me. I, I must have looked green. <laughs> I must have looked green. He says, uh, it's on automatic pilot. And I said, oh, now who cares? Now what's that to me? Automatic pilot. All I could think of is suppose there's somebody else on automatic pilot. He says, no, this is all under control. He says, you see, all the instruments are out and all the radars are out and ev everybody is well-spaced and well-placed. You have nothing to worry about. Te crees tú eso? That's what you think. But I said in Spanish, I, when we landed, you know, I was 
I wasn't very happy. Why? Because I was totally out of control. And then when I thought there was somebody in control, and he's reading a newspaper, so he's out of control too. So as far as I was concerned, the whole thing is out of control. You see, trusting God means you're not in control. You're trusting a force greater than you. Because you see, if it's addiction, when you're in control, you've got to go for it. The only thing left, the only thing you dream of, the only thing you smell, the only thing you want, the only thing you do. Ooh. But you see, when God's in control, it's a whole different ball game. That's why you go through cold sweat. That's why you go through cold turkey. That's why you go through cold anything. That's it. And that's the walk of faith. The walk of faith simply says that God cares. And he's taking care of you. But since you're not at the controls, since you're not manning the, 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 the gear, uh, since you're not uh, calling the shots, Peter says, let him have all your worries and cares. I'm wondering if Peter's thinking about that day when he says, Jesus, if it's you, let me walk on the water. And Jesus says, it's me. Come on, walk on the water. And he threw himself off the boat and he walked on the water and then scared half to death. The winds and the waves just said to him something greater than what he had just heard as far as his person was concerned. And down he went. You say, Sister Amy, well, that's, that's the way I am. That's the way I am. I wake up in the morning and I say, uh, I, I'll not do this again, or I'll not do that again, or I'll not walk this way again, or I'll not walk that way again. I'll not talk this way. I'll not think this way. And when the moment comes, I'm doing it again. What happened? Well, you took the controls. You didn't let him stay in control. Sister Amy, how does he stay in control? By repeating the word of God, by retreat, repeating the truth of the Bible. You see, this is it. This is what takes place. Uh, there's nothing magical in it. Uh, it it's, not, it's, it's not, what do you call that? It's not hypnosis. Uh, it, it's not something dangling in front of you that makes you a little dizzy and you, 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 you do or say whatever they want you to do. It's not that. Faith is so cold-blooded. Faith is so cold. Faith is so isolated. Because faith has only one connection and that's to God. Faith doesn't have tentacles into people, situations, what? It doesn't have to. It's not an octopus. It's an arrow. From you to God. And when it hits, it's one of those arrows with hooks. It hooks into the throne room. And God says, okay, let's go. Let's go. And then you feel a certain peace. You say, Sister Amy, then, then, then is everything gone? No, 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 no. That's just the keying in. From here on, we continue with the repetition. Are you hearing me? And what is the repetition? Let him have all your worries and cares. Why? For he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. I, I want to quote that verse because it's not really a verse. I mean, it, it, Peter is saying it, but I can give it to you from many, many years back. You know it by heart. We've read it. We've, uh, we've scaled it. And this is what it says. How precious it is, Lord, 
to realize that you're thinking about me constantly. Psalm 139. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you're thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I awaken in the morning, wow, you're still thinking about me. So you see, you let up, but he doesn't let up. You stop. He never stops. He never stops. This is the Lord saying this morning that he wants to care for you. But he can only care for you if you bring him your cares. Got to leave him there. For he is always thinking about you, watching over everything that concerns you. Now there is a point of care. And this is it. Be careful. Watch out for the attacks of Satan. The reality of our enemy. The reality of the force that would strike us down. It's interesting because people that don't believe in God, Satan is a joke to them. See, they don't believe in God. So that they've scratched off the book ages ago. So now when you bring up Satan, a fallen angel of tremendous power, they say, hey, wait a minute. God, this, is, this is like Hebrew mythology. We don't need it. No, Satan is a real, a real angel, a real person that fell. And that he is and has invaded the parameters, parameters of this earth. And there are demons that do possess people. I, I, I don't believe that. Well, then you haven't looked into a few faces. You haven't turned on your TV in a long time. Yeah? There is a gentleman that now confesses to 60 murders. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Satan is at work. Satan is at work. Now be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. Not exaggerating, it is our great enemy. And listen to this, he prowls like a hungry lion, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Just looking. But guess what? This is why Jesus said that Calvary took care of several things. Calvary took care of your sins and mine. Calvary took care of our relationship to God the Father. Calvary opened heaven to us. This is what Calvary did. But you know what else Calvary did? Calvary conquered Satan. Genesis 3.15 says that the seed of the woman would crush Satan's head. And he would be defeated. Now I want you to look back at that verse. Be careful, watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Now when you and I know that he is a defeated enemy, he cannot touch you. Naturally, there are a lot of things involved in this. Be careful, and that's the word. Where he is being worshipped, where he is leading people around by the nose, where he is infiltrating lives and hearts, don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. Move out. Move out. Yes, he is a defeated enemy, but a defeated enemy 
only for those that have Christ in their heart and their lives, only for those that are washed in the blood, only for those that know that Calvary was a place of victory, only for those that have received, accepted, walk with Christ, for, for them, for us, he's defeated. But other than that, he is giving this world a run for their money because he knows his time is short. And he's keying in to see if he could destroy as much as he can destroy. Jesus says he's come only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So where does this defeat of Satan come into us? Simply knowing what Jesus did to him. And we stand behind Jesus. And do not fear. Do not fear. Watch out, yes. Watch out for the attacks. Oh, listen, folks, when you sit in a congregation or when you're writing someplace, if you've ever encountered a satanic presence, there's nothing like a Christian to know it's there. I really mean that. Christians are the first one that know that there's the presence of the enemy. Why? Because we have a check system built within us through the power of the Holy Ghost that just goes, chaka, and you know it. You know it. It's right there. And you say, well, well, what do you do with it? You stay steady. You stay cool. You stay calm. Okay? Don't, don't pull a Don Quixote. Don't pull one of those. If you can move away, you move away. If there comes a moment and you're challenged, then by God's grace, you will be victorious. You will be victorious. But I think you know where I stand in these situations. There are Christians that want to go out there and do great things. I think they do a lot more reading their Bible. Because it's the Bible that gives you the faith to hang on to truth and to walk in truth. And not let Satan neither possess your mind nor possess your body nor possess your soul. We can't play with it. You can't. Once you become responsible to the Lord Jesus Christ, once you become responsible to your faith, you've got to walk with God. And you've got to love him as you do that. And listen to what it says. He prowls around looking for victims to tear apart. It's a stand firm when he attacks. Stand firm on what? On the truth. That's why Jesus says, I'll compare the man who believes my word and accepts my word as a man that has built his house upon the rock. And when the winds come and the storms come and when Satan comes and when the powers of the... house will not be destroyed. When morning breaks, the foundation is there and the house is there. It has beat the storm. Why? Because his truth is our foundation and on that foundation we shall not be moved. Praise his holy name. You've got to trust this, folks. It goes, trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through these sufferings too. You know, the devil will tell you you're the only one. The devil will tell you you're the only one. You're, you're like a you're like a foster child. You're like a stepchild. I mean, everybody else, every other Christian is living a fine Christian life, and you're going through agony all by yourself. Any pity parties? Any pity parties? Oh, I have felt so many times I'm the only one. I mean, Lord, you, get the, you let the world get away with murder. I just wink, and I'm caught. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, folks, listen to me carefully. He cares for you. He cares for me. 
When he's when the devil prowls, just stand firm, firm on what? Firm on the word, firm on the truth. Trust the Lord. Remember that other Christians are going after you've suffered a little while. Our God, who is full of kindness through Christ, will give you his eternal glory. And personally, he will come and pick you up, set you firmly in place, and make you stronger than, now, than ever. I like that. You know what a test does? It tears you apart. It shakes you apart. It squeezes you. It leaves you limp. It leaves you weak. It leaves you trembling in the wind. And then listen to this. It leaves you stronger than ever. Because God's things are all the opposite. To live, you've got to die. That's the way it is. To have it all, you've got to give it all away. Isn't that crazy? What does surrender mean? You leave nothing for yourself. This is God. This is God. You say, Sister Amy, I don't understand it. Neither do I. Write it down on your book. By the time we put the whole book together, we're going to have a lot of things that we can discuss openly. I don't understand. But this is the way God operates. It's through weakness that he brings strength. It's through brokenness that he makes a perfect vessel. It's through surrender that we conquer and we become heroes in him. Everything's the opposite. Everything's the opposite. This world says, get up. Strut your strut. Hey, come on. The Lord says, I despise the proud heart. But I give mercy to the humble. And let me tell you something. It doesn't mean your head is bowed low. It doesn't mean that you're looking a little dopey. That's not humility. Humility means only one thing. How low you bow before God. That's humility. That's humility. How low you bow before God. That's humility. 